That Printer of Udell's by Harold Bell Wright. Read by Amy Zuck on Anchor from Grandma's Bookshelf. Chapter 6 Uncle Bobby's Discovery Uncle Bobby Wicks pulled down the top of his desk and heard the lock click with a long sigh of satisfaction, for a glance at the large old-fashioned hunting-case watch told him that it was nearly eleven o'clock. It was a dismal, dreary, rainy night, just the sort of night to make a man thank God that he had a home, and those who had homes to go to were already there, except a few businessmen, like Mr. Wicks, who were obliged to be out on work of special importance. Locking the rear door of the office and getting hastily into his raincoat, the old gentleman took his hat and umbrella from the rack and stepped out into the storm. As he was trudging along through the wet, his mind still on business, a gleam of light from the window of Udell's printing shop caught his eye. "'Hello,' he said to himself. "'George is working late tonight. I guess I'll run in and see if he's got that last batch of billheads fixed yet. We'll need him tomorrow morning.' "'Howdy, George!' he said a few seconds later, then stopped, for it was not Udell, but Dick, who was bending over the stone, and in place of working with the type, he was playing a game of solitaire, while he was pulling away on an old cord cob pipe. "'Good evening,' said the young man, pausing in his amusement. "'What can I do for you?' "'I see you got a job,' said Uncle Bobby. "'Yes,' Dick replied as he shuffled the carbs, "'and a very good one, too.' "'Huh, looks like you weren't overworked just now.' "'Oh, this is out of hours. We quit at six, you know.' "'Strikes ye me ye might find something better to do "'than fooling with them dirty pasteboards. "'If tis out of hours,' said Mr. Wicks pointedly. "'They are rather soiled,' remarked Dick, "'critically examining the Queen of Hearts. "'And then he continued in a matter-of-fact tone. "'You see, I found them back at the coal box. "'Some fellow's thrown them there away, I guess. "'Lucky for me that he did. "'Lucky for you? "'Is that the best you can do with your time?' "'Perhaps you can suggest some more elevating amusement,' smiled Dick. "'Well, why don't you read something?' The young man waved his pipe towards a lot of month-old papers and printer's journals, as he said. "'My dear sir, I have gone through that pile three times, and have exhausted every almanac in this establishment. "'Visit some of your friends.' "'Not one in the city, except Udell,' Dick answered, as if I had—' He glanced down at his worn clothing." Mr. Wicks tried again. Well, go somewhere. Where? asked Dick. There's only one place open to me. The saloon. I haven't got money enough for that, and if I had, I wouldn't spend it there anyhow. I might go to some respectable gambling den, I suppose, but there's the money question again and my foolish pride, so I play solitaire. I know I'm in good company, at least, if the sport isn't quite so exciting. Uncle Bobby was silent. The rain swished against the window and roared on the tin roof of the building. The last car of the evening, with one lone passenger, scurried along Broadway, its lights brightly reflecting on the wet pavement. A cab rumbled towards the hotel, the sound of horses' feet dull and muffled in the mist, and a solitary policeman, wrapped in his rubber coat, made his way along the most deserted street. As Uncle Bobby stood listening to the lonely sounds and looking at the young man, with his corncob pipe and pack of dirty cards, he thought of his own cheerful fireside and of his waiting wife. "'To be sure,' he said at last, carefully placing his umbrella in a corner near the door, and as carefully removing his coat and hat. "'To be sure. I quit smoking some time ago, about a month, I reckon. Used to smoke pretty nigh all the time, but 
A wife, she wants me to quit. I don't know as there's any use in it. A long pause followed as he drew a chair to the stove and seated himself. To be sure. I don't know as there's any great harm in it either. There was another pause while Dick also placed his chair near their stove. And I get so plaguey fat every time I quit. Dick tilted back and lazily blew a soft cloud into the air. Uncle Bobby arose and placed the coal bucket between them. Told Mother last night I was getting too fat again, but it made me sick last time I tried it. I wonder if it'd make me sick now. A longer pause than usual followed. Then Uncle Bobby continued. It's really dangerous for me to get so fat, and smoking's the only thing that keeps it down. Do you reckon it'd make me sick again? He drew a cigar from his pocket, almost as big as a cannon firecracker, and fully as dangerous. I got this today. Looks like a pretty good one. It didn't used to make me sick before I quit the last time. Dick handed him a match, and two minutes later the big cigar was burning as freely as its nature would permit. What an awful wasteful habit is, to be sure, ain't it? Went on the older gentleman, between vigorous puffs. Just think, there's school books and Bibles and baby clothes and medicine for the sick and food for the hungry and houses and stores and farms and cattle all a-going up in that smoke. He pointed with his cigar to the blue cloud that hung between them. If I'd half the money church members burn, I could take care of every old worn-out preacher in the world and have a good bit left over for the poor children. I wished I was as young as you be. I'd quit it for sure, but it sure does take hold of an old fellow like me. Dick's face grew thoughtful. Never looked at it that way before, he said as he took his pipe from his mouth. It's a big comfort to a chap who's all alone, though I suppose it does get a strong hold on a man who's used to it most of his life, and a fellow could do a lot of good with the money it costs him. He rose to his feet and went to the window, where he stood for a moment looking out into the rain. Presently he came back to his chair again. Look out, cried Uncle Bobby, as Dick took his seat. You've dropped your pipe into the coal bucket. Oh, that's all right. It's worn out anyhow, and I have another. But he sno smoked no more that evening. "'Where are you from?' asked Uncle Bobby abruptly. "'Everywhere,' answered Dick shortly, for he did not relish the thought of being questioned about his past. "'Where are you going?' came next from his companion. "'Nowhere. Just as short.' "'Folks living?' "'No.' "'How long been dead?' "'Since I was a little fellow.' "'Ain't you got no relations?' Ah, don't want any if they'd be like an aunt of mine. Uncle Bobby nodded in sympathy. How'd you happen to strike this place? Dick answered him in three words. Looking for work. Giddell's a fine fellow. Yeah, right he is. Not much of a Christian, though. And the old man watched Dick keenly through the cloud of smoke. <laughs> no, good thing for me he isn't. The young man answered bitterly, his face and voice betraying his feelings. "'I know, yes, I know,' nodded Uncle Bobby. "'To be sure, I used to think, look at things just like you, and then I got more sense and learned a heap better. And I tell you right now, you'll do the same way. I know there is church members that are meaner in a mule with shoulder gallus. They won't pull nothing and kick a man's head off quicker than greased lightning. But they ain't going to heaven, be they?' Not much they ain't. 
No more my dog going to the legislature. And there's them outside the church that's a whole lot worse. Tank Christianity that makes folks mean. They're mean in spite of it. Though you can't say get such fellows as you to see it that way. No more than you can follow a mosquito through a mile of fog. To be sure, I ain't blaming you much, though. Dick's face changed. This was not just what he had expected. I tell you, he said when he saw that the older gentleman expected him to reply. Ever since I can remember, I've been kicked and cuffed and cursed by saint and sinner alike, till I can't see much different between the church members and those whom they say are in the world. Except that the members of the church do the kicking and cuffing, and let the sinners do the cussing, broken Uncle Bobby. To be sure, you can't tell me nothing about that either. I'm not saying anything about the teachings of Christ, continued Dick. That's all right so far as it goes, but it don't seem to go very far. I have not made much of the success in life, but I've worked mighty hard to earn a living and learn my trade. And I don't know but that I'm willing to take my chances with some of the church members I've seen. To be sure, said Uncle Bobby, and I reckon your chances is just as good in there. But it strikes me that I want to stand a little better show than them fellers. What about the folks that be Christians? You know, there is them that follow the master's teachings. What about their chances, eh? You see it just this way, continued Uncle Bobby, settling himself more comfortably in his chair. I had a whole lot of brothers and sisters at home back in Ohio, and they was all members of the church but me. To be sure, I went to Sunday school and meeting with the rest. I jing I had to. <sighs> My old dad would have just naturally had took the hide off me if I hadn't. Yes, sir, you bet I went to church. But all the same, I didn't want to, and they sort of followed me on religion. I reckon Jim and Bill and Tom and Dave. They all take their girls and go home with them after meeting, and I'd have to put out the team and feed the stock all alone, and Sunday evening, every one of them off singing, and I'd have to milk and feed again. And then after meeting, of course, boys had to take their girls home, and other fillers would come home with our girls, and I'd have to put up the team and take care of the boys' horses that came sparkling. And somehow I didn't take to Christianity. To be sure, it was a good thing for the stock I didn't. He carefully knocked the ashes from his cigar and continued. To be sure, I know now that wasn't no excuse, but it looked that way then. After a while, the boys married off, and I stayed at home. Took care of the old folks, and pretty soon the girls they got married too, and then Pa and Ma got too old to go out, and I couldn't leave them much, so I didn't get to meet them very often. Things went on that way for a spell till Bill got thinking he'd better come and live on the home farm and look after things as I didn't have no woman. To be sure, it did need a good bit of tending. Six hundred acres all in fine shape and well stocked, so I told Pa I'd come west and let him run things at home. And I got a job punching steers out here in James County, and they all back there yet. The old folks died a little bit after I came west, and Bill, well, Bill, he keeps the home place because he took care of them, you know. Well, I homestead a hundred and sixty, and after a spell, the railroad came through, and I got to buy grains and hog, and trading in castor oil beans, and managed to get a hold of some land here when the town was small. To be sure, I ain't rich yet, though I got enough to keep me, I reckon. I had a little real estate, get some rent for my buildings, and loan a little money now and then. But you bet I've worked for every cent I've got, and I don't fool none of it away either, except what went up in smoke. The gentleman's voice sank lower and lower as he recalled the years that had flown. 
and as Dick looked at the kindly face, seamed and furrowed by the cares of life, and the hair just whitened by the frost of time, now half hidden in the halo of smoke, he felt his heart warm with sympathy, which he knew was returned full measure by him who had left his Ohio home to battle with life alone in that strange western country. "'But what I wanted to tell ye,' said Uncle Bobby, coming suddenly back to the present and speaking in his usual abrupt manner, "'you'll find out, same as I have, that it don't much matter how the other feller dabbles in the dirt. You've got to keep your hands clean anyhow. And tain't the question whether the other fellow's mean or not, but am I living square?' I know that Christ is the Savior of men, but he can't save them unless they want him to. No more than I can catch a jackrabbit afoot. Christianity's all right, but it ain't going to do no good unless people live it. And there's a heap more living it than we think. What such fellows as you want to do is to listen to what Christ says, not look at what some little two-by-four Christian members do. They ain't worth that. And he tossed his cigar stub to keep company with Dick's pipe. Dick said nothing, because he could find no words to express himself. And the older man, seeing how it was, rose to his feet. Well, I must be going. Wife, well, I think I'll clean gone back on her. Come up to the house and see me sometime. I reckon you know you're welcome after what I've been saying. And then as the young man gave him a lift with his coat, he continued, Keep a stiff upper lip. You'll strike Peter after a while. Just keep hanging on like a puppy to a root. Good night. And Dick was alone again. Wife, said Uncle Bobby next morning, just before getting up to build the fire. Wife, I made a discovery last night. Oh, you were out late enough to discover something, returned Mrs. Wicks with a laugh. What was it? And Uncle Bobby replied slowly as he rose and began dressing. There some fellows go to the devil just because they got nowheres else to go later the old gentleman sat at his desk in his office tilted back in his revolving chair his feet among the papers where his hands should have been no one came in to disturb his reverie for it was still early in the morning and the only sound was the click of a typewriter in the next room suddenly the feet came down to their proper place with a bang and leaning forward he wrote rapidly for a few moments and then called charlie the noise of the typewriter stopped and the young man entered the room charlie I've been getting out a little advertising stuff, and I wish you'd take this over to Georgie Dell's and wait until they fix it up so you can bring me back the proof. You can let them letters rest a spell. The young man took his hat and umbrella, for it was still raining, and started on his errand, but his employer stopped him. Wait a bit, Charlie. Do you remember that young fellow who called here for a job week before last, the time I sold that Johnson property, you know? Said he was a printer from Kansas City? Asked Charlie. The other nodded. Yeah, I remember him. Well, he got a job with you, Dales. I was there last night, had talk with him. He ain't got no friends and stays in the office nights alone. I, I just thought I'd tell you. He's shy of Christians, though, and proud as an old turkey gobbler in the spring. But he needs somebody to talk to more than anything else, that's all. And the old man turned back to his papers. This was the beginning. The end is easily foreseen, for, given a young man of Dick's temperament, longing for companionship, and another young man of Charlie's makeup, with a legitimate business to bring the two together, and only a friendship of Jonathan and David, order could result.
Dick was distant at first, but Charlie was too wise to force himself upon him, and as Uncle Bobby found many excuses for sending his young assistant to the printing shop frequently, the two slowly grew better acquainted. Then came a night when Charlie dared to ask Dick what he did evenings, and Dick answered in his proud way, "'Smoke and play solitaire?' Charlie continued, "'I can't play cards, and I don't care to smoke, but I do like to talk.' "'Come up if you choose,' said Dick, "'but you'll find this a dull place to spend an evening.' Dick was puffing away on his corncob pipe the first time Charlie came, but moved to hide it from sight as the latter entered the room. Then, thinking better of it, with a proud lift of his chin, he stuck the pipe in his mouth again. However, Charlie noticed that the smoke soon ceased to come from his companion's lips and guessed that the tobacco was not burning well. This was the last time he ever saw Dick smoking. Indeed, it was the last time that Dick ever used tobacco in any form. For, he said to himself, I can't afford to do anything that robs babies and mothers and makes me disagreeable to my friends. The ice once broken, Charlie's calls became more and more frequent until the two met and talked like old friends and often left the office to walk about the city arm in arm after dark. Mr. Udell, said Dick one Saturday night as the latter handed him his wages for the week. Where's the best place to go for clothing? And George, with a pleased look on his face, which Dick could not help but notice, directed him to a clothing store on the fourth corner of 4th and Broadway.